Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. family and uh, man it's good to see you guys again hey uh, if you got your bibles head over to deuteronomy 18 deuteronomy 18 is uh, where we're gonna be this week and uh, man i do just before we go anywhere i just want to stop and celebrate how amazing the at the movie series was um, i do just want to so let me you know we, we do you know, really the heart behind that series is our man we'll do anything short of sin to reach people for christ and i, I just want to say like Honestly, what I want to say is I'm proud of you. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm proud of you as a church. Just everybody was just so all in with reaching people close to you uh, for Christ. So let me just kind of put it on perspective, everything that we saw happen in, in the last four weeks during At The Movie. So during that series, number one, um, the, the four-week attendance total during At The Movies was 93,860. Um, that's, and by the way, that's just in person. That's only in person. Us trying to fit into our buildings for the last four weeks, kind of like me trying to fit in my high school jeans. It was like quite an ordeal. So thank you all for bearing with us. Um, but you know, that, that's honestly, that's not the number that matters. Uh, the number that matters is how many people came to know Christ. That's what matters. And that number over the last four weeks is 1,705. Come on, man, that's right. 1,705 people cross the line of faith. So man, I just want to say this, you know, whether you, I know we've been doing a lot of applauding, whether you cross the line of faith, or I know like literally like thousands of you are like new to our church. Hey, Lake Point family, can we show them how honored we are to be a part of that with them? Come on, man. That's right. We are. That's, that's awesome, man. We are. We just, just, we just want to say welcome, you know, welcome to the family. All right. Well, um, there is one thing coming up in the life of our church I just wanna let you know about. Um, this is gonna be a spiritually significant moment for I think you, but then for us at church. Now, let me get a little, little background on this, okay? So you just gotta know this about me. Like I'm all in, like I'm a youth camp guy. Like that's like, I'm that guy. So like I was called to ministry at camp. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit at camp. You know, I started learning to preach at camp. I dated Janet camp. Uh, I have never cast out a demon, but I did send a middle schooler home from camp one time. I've had a lot of important experiences at camp. Okay, y'all like that over there? I see that, okay, I see you. Uh, now, so, but here's my thing. I, I really believe this, like former youth pastor, just, you know, yeah, yeah, that, that kind of thing. I really believe about 80% of what's wrong with Christian adults is they stop going to camp. Is it honestly like you, you stopped having this moment in your year where it's, it's almost like you pause and you go, oh, yeah, like, man, I almost forgot my whole life's about God. 
And so we're gonna test drive something this year. In my head, it's almost like camp for adults. And what's coming up, I want you to know about this. We're calling it Encounter. Here's kind of some info. It's coming up on September 19th, 20th, and 21st. It's gonna happen at all of our campuses. And it's really like three nights. It's like a, it's a, I think it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, back to back to back nights. And if you've been around um, in January, what we're essentially doing is three back to back to back prayer and worship nights, but with Bible teaching. And so we're just gonna lean in. It's almost like, like I said, kind of, kind of camp for adults. Um, I've got some of uh, like my personal favorite Bible teachers from around the country coming in to teach about the power of the Holy Spirit to Lake Point. So we got John Tyson coming in from New York City. I listen to him every Monday. He's kind of like my preaching pastor. Christine Kane's coming in. She's gonna be teaching us and have a word for Lake Point. And then y'all be disappointed on the, on the second night, I'll be bringing you a special word sandwiched right in there. Just kind of, that, that's really something, it's unique. It's not a Sunday message. It's, it's something that's a little in-house teaching. And uh, we'll just kind of channel our inner charismatic. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And, you know, but we're gonna lean into this. So here's what I really wanna say. Like, I really, really, really want you to, kind of go like, man, I'm gonna set aside those three nights to be here with my church family, to lean in to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and I just want you to know this. We'll talk about this more later. Let me just say a quick word. We are calling the entire church to a 21-day season of prayer and fasting leading up to that moment. So you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. We've got prayer guides ready for you, but we just, man, we just wanna, man, we just wanna go all in with the Lord. And I wanna go there with you. And so, uh, does that sound fun? I think I might have fun doing it. Okay, well, great. All right, here's, here's where we are today. Now, let me lead into this series that I'm like super excited about. I, I've been thinking about this all summer. Now, here's what I'm doing, a little backstory. At Easter, I always give, it's an Easter survey. And one of the times I did this, I asked the question, um, what are the top causes of stress or anxiety in your life? And the number one response, it honestly wasn't really even close. It was money. That was the number one thing. Now, what I'm getting ready to teach you in the next few weeks, I, I, I really would say it like this, it's almost like a life message for me. In some ways, what I'd say is it's the best message I could give you. It's not, I'm not saying it's the best message you could hear. I'm saying it's the best message I could give you. You're gonna hear a little bit more about me and Jana's testimony next week, but just to give a little backstory, um, when we got married in 2005, right? Yeah, thank you. She's right here. That's good. I want to get that one right, by the way. Uh, when we got married in 05, uh, one of the most significant wedding gifts we got, we got, we got one. Somebody gave us the Dave Ramsey little total money makeover thing for a wedding gift. And I was like, you know, I'm like 22. So I was like, well, I was kind of hoping for an Xbox, but okay, you know, that kind of thing. And that ended up being very significant for us. Now, you fast forward just three years later, about three years later, somebody handed me a book called The Blessed Life by a pastor named Robert Morris. And Jan, I'm gonna talk more about this next week. Jan and I made some decisions early on in our life to trust God with our finances and order them as God kind of gives us direction. And very frankly, uh, I, that has changed our entire lives. Now listen, this is really close. I didn't say changed our budgets. That's changed our lives. It changed, that, has, that can change your marriage, that can change your job, that can change your family, that can change your calling. Because listen, it's not the blessed pocketbook, it's a blessed life is what you see. Now, so I just wanna do this. I just wanna be very upfront anytime I do this. About 50% of what you'll hear in a couple of these messages, it comes from this book that I read in 2008 by a pastor named Robert Morris. We've got it available at most of our campuses. So this is me doing attribution. That's it right there. 
And so you'll hear some of this, and I'd encourage you to grab it. That, that, I want that to change your life just like it did ours. But let me just dive right in. Just some, some very, you're, we're gonna have a lot of fun. There's a lot of humor in these, and it's just very straightforward, practical Bible teaching. So if you'd start with me right here, we're gonna do Matthew 7, and I'm gonna have you repeat a couple phrases to me, okay? This is Matthew 7, 1 and 2. This is Jesus, uh, and this is what he says. He says, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, let me ask you a question I need you to answer out loud. Was the word money used in those verses? No, it was not. Now, but I wanna make a point to you biblically. Can I, let me point some out biblically. I need you to use your short-term memory and we're gonna even, just because I love you, we're gonna keep it on the, the screen. I need you to use your short-term memory and I want you to repeat the first phrase and the last phrase of Jesus' teaching out loud, okay? So I'll say it first and, and then you know, just do that yellow one with me. Actually, just do it all together right now. Judge not that you be not judged. Great job. That's the one verse in America that everyone knows. Okay, you did a great job. Now, let's do the other one. Do the, repeat the last one after me. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do it one more time. Do the first phrase. Judge not that you be not judged. Do the last phrase. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, now we're gonna skip over to Luke chapter six. You're gonna see something that should look very, very familiar. This is Jesus again in Luke six. This is verse 37. He starts and says this. Judge not, you don't have to repeat it, you're good. Okay, we're good, sorry about that. You're good, sorry. Judge not, and you will be not judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Does that sound familiar? Okay, now skip to the end of this little section and you're gonna notice something. This is what he says at the end. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, what you're seeing here is these are parallel passages. Luke chapter six is the parallel of Matthew chapter seven. Luke takes the Sermon on the Mount and condenses it to just a few verses. And he's requoting Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, but there's something different that Luke includes that Matthew didn't. Right in the middle of the verse, Jesus says this. So I'll start from the beginning. He said, judge not, actually I'll just read it. Okay, Luke six thirty-seven. forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, there's that word, and it will be given to you. This is a promise. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, can I just point this out? In neither of those verses does the word money appear. Now, here's my point. What people always, now the word give was in there, but y'all, you gotta understand this. When people hear the word give, they think about money, but giving is not always about money. In fact, if you were to ask me in the lobby, like right after the service, you go, uh, hey, uh, Pastor Josh, um, how often do you teach about giving? The correct answer, I'd probably spit right back at you, just, I'd say every week. You go, oh, wait, what do you mean? Because you were thinking, you were actually asking the question, how often do you teach about giving money? But you gotta understand this. It is impossible for me to teach without teach. I can't teach about anything without teaching about giving. I can't teach about grace without teaching about giving because y'all, God loved so much that he gave. I can't teach about marriage without teaching about giving because a marriage will not work if both people are not givers. 
You see, this passage, it's not, the word money is never used. It's just talking about your entire life. It's talking about an attitude of the heart. Now, here's what I'm driving at. The title of this message is, we'll just say it like this. It's all about the heart. If you get one thing, that's what you gotta get. It's all about the heart. Now, this is what Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let me pause right here. Because a lot of people, what they say is that they just, they'll say this. You may, may be newer to Lake Point. A lot of people go, this is what they go. They go, oh, they just want my money. Can, can I just say something to you? Uh, excuse me. Yes, God, not the church. Yes, God does want your money. Why? Because God wants your heart. And wherever your treasure is, Jesus said, there your heart will be also. So in, in other words, do you want your heart in the kingdom? Put your treasure in the kingdom. See, and what you'll notice is this, is that wherever your treasure is, there your heart goes. In other words, it's almost like, a, like there is your heart and your money are inextricably connected. It, I, I can see it sometimes. There's like a little cord, a rip cord that goes from people's heart to their wallet, their checkbook. It's like, you just reach back. And just, oh, it's, that's it. It's just, it's in, in, intrinsically connected. So if God can get your wallet, then he can get your heart. And listen, I'm not the one that said that. Jesus said it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, in this passage, you gotta get this because we, we wanna have balanced biblical teaching, all right? In this passage, the context is about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. That's what this whole thing was about. Even when he says give and it will be given to you, in this passage, what he's saying is, if you give judgment, then guess what? God has so ordered the universe that whatever you give, you're gonna get in return. If you give judgment, what you're gonna notice is that people give you back judgment. If you give forgiveness, what you're gonna notice is that the world that people tend to give you back forgiveness. It, it's just, this is a world, uh, this is a principle. Now, you can take this principle that what you give will be measured back to you and you can apply it to other things. Why? Because of the principles of, uh, of sowing and reaping. Whatever the Bible says, whatever you plant, you're gonna harvest. I've got a, uh, my grandfather is a 96 year old farmer in Northern uh, New York. I may talk about this later in the series, but we go up there every year. You just gotta know this about farming. This is very, very basic, but you know, we live in Dallas, Texas. Not, not a whole lot of us are farmers, okay? So you just gotta understand this, the principles of sowing and reaping, whatever you sow, you're gonna reap, God says. So if you sow, if you sow an apple seed, you're going to reap an apple tree that has lots of apple seeds. If you sow some corn, you're going to reap corn stalks that have lots of corn on them. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So what that means is whatever you give, you're going to get. So it would be better to give good things and then you will get good things in return. Now, let me, let me just say it like this. So when I, years ago, when I was a youth pastor, uh, yeah, I first started doing like pastoral counseling and there was a, a, a younger mom that came in and she was very concerned because uh, her oldest son was being disrespectful. She came into my office and she was like, you know, Pastor Josh, like uh, my, my, my son is so disrespectful. He's just so disrespectful. He tells me all these stories about how disrespectful her son was. He's so disrespectful. I just don't understand why my son is so disrespectful. In the middle of our conversation, we're in my office that her other kids were out in the, the little hallway. They started to make some noise. So she's going, my, my kids are so disrespectful. I just don't understand why they're so disrespectful. Why are they so disrespectful? And as soon as her kids started making noise, she walked over to the door. She opened the door and she yelled, shut up, you little rotten turds. And then she came back and she sat down and she said, I just don't understand why my kids are so disrespectful. And what I wanted to say was, well, Luke 6, 38, 
If you sow yelling, you will receive yelling in return. Good measure, pressed down, running over. It is what you, so this is what you're going to see. This principle applies to everything. Now, what we want to look right here is, it, you got to understand this, is that it all starts, the blessing starts in your heart. Now, we're going to be in Deuteronomy 15. I want to show you four things that you've got to do to develop a heart, a generous heart that God will bless. Okay, so check this out with me. This is Genesis 15. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, so this is NKJV, I'm doing that on purpose, you'll see this in a second, within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart. There's that word, it's about the heart. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, so that's again, it's about the heart. It starts in the heart. Willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Now here it goes. Four things we need to do to develop this heart that God will bless. Number one is you've got to deal with a selfish heart. Okay, look at verse nine. Now I'm gonna, let me read it and then I'll explain something in this passage. It says, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. There it is saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and your eye be evil against your brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you. By the way, there's one thing I don't want, the Lord against me. That's what I don't want. And it becomes sin among you. Now I just want, want you to notice this. What this passage says is that when we have a selfish thought in our heart, that can become a wicked thought that becomes sin in front of God. And then the Lord is against us. Now, now here's what this passage is saying. Here, here's what it's saying. It's saying, um, let's say you are a, a wealthy agricultural landowner in ancient Israel. And let's say that one year, um, somebody who is in need, they approach you and they ask for a loan. But then you start going in your head like, well, I could give it to them. But in just one more year is what's called the year of release. Now you gotta understand this. God had instituted a system where every seven years in ancient Israel, all debts were canceled. Now, how many of you would like to reinstitute God's econ? That's exactly right. That's what I thought. So this is what God, God is very gracious and very good. So this is the system that he had implemented. Now, what God's saying here is if somebody comes to you in year six, and they're in need and they're like, hey, could I take out a loan against your property? Would you let me do that? Uh, and he, he said, and you start to think, oh, but there's only one more year and he may not pay me back within a year. I'm gonna actually be hesitant to do that. God says, don't do that. He said, don't do that. Don't let a selfish heart creep up inside of you because that will be wicked to me. Now, can I just define, let me define selfishness real quick. Let me put this in context of money, okay? So some people, what they do is they say, what's mine is mine. And that's called selfishness. We're gonna define that as selfishness. Now, what other people do is they say, hey, what's yours is mine. And that's called stealing unless you're the government and then they call it socialism, but that's a different sermon, okay? Now, now oh, and then other people, what they do is they don't say what's mine is mine and they don't say what's yours is mine. What other people do is they say, man, What's mine is God's. And that's not called selfishness. That's not called stealing. That's called stewardship. Stewardship is the understanding that I actually don't own anything, that everything that I have is actually just on loan, that God in his graciousness gave it to me. Now, if you hear that, you may be, if you're like, I'm just a practical numbers guy. That's like how my, my brain works. If you hear that, you may be going, well, Josh, if everything belongs to God, then why did God invent giving? Like, have you ever actually thought about that? You need to know, the church did not invent giving. A pastor did not invent giving. 
God invented giving. It's all throughout the Bible. So you may be going, well, if everything is his, why do you invent giving? Now, here's the most common answer to that question. And if you actually think about it, it's a bit of a hilarious answer. A lot of people would say, oh, here's why God did it. Um, To support the work of the ministry. Now, your heart's good, but can I just ask you this question? Like, do you think that like the light bill in heaven is, is too much for God? Like, do you, do you think that kid gets it over there? They, no, that's it. D- do you think that like God's running out of like heavenly asphalt gold and he's like, oh, I just wish somebody could help. No, no, we understand this. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, the earth, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God does not have this issue. So you need to understand this. God did not create giving for his sake. He created giving for your sake. Now, if that makes no sense to you, uh, I'm, I'm, in this message, I'm going to use very practical and a few humorous analogies, okay? So let me give you an analogy to help you understand how this works. So um, from the time that my daughters were born, we have just always been into the daddy-daughter donut date thing. And it used to be um, daddy-daughter donut date at Dunkin' Donuts. We, you know, it was a lot of these. And so this is what we did. And so when we, when we first started doing that, my, um, my youngest daughter, Felicity, she did not like, she wasn't into donuts, but she was real into hash browns, like real, real, real into hash browns. So she would literally, she would gorge herself on hash browns to the point that she would make herself sick. In fact, um, don't throw it up there yet. This picture I'm getting ready to show you is an actual picture of Felicity finishing hash browns on an early uh, daddy-daughter donut date. Here it is. Let me show this to you. That's, that's it, okay? That, that's like, she just ate until she, you know, it's like she gorged herself, okay? Now, keep it up there because it's fun to look at. That's great. All right, that's enough. All right. Now, I, what I would always do is I would buy, I would always start with three packets. Here's your three packets of hash browns. Now, she would eat the first packet and I would always ask her, Felicity, I would, always, I would say, Felicity, may I have a hash brown? And it created this dilemma within her soul because she wanted to honor me, but she really loved the hash browns. And she didn't want to give away any hash browns. Now, let me just ask you this question. I, I want you to think about this. Um, did, I'm, I'm a, did, did I need to have Felicity give me a hash brown? Y'all, I am a grown man. I can buy all the hash browns that I want. <laughs> I can afford every hash brown Dunkin' Donuts. If I wanted to, I could back my GMC truck up to the front of Dunkin' Donuts walk in there, slam my credit card on the table and say, fill her up with hash browns. Listen, I can buy all that. I can make it rain hash browns. So let me just ask you this question. Why, so if that's true, why was I asking Felicity to give me a hash brown? Well, here's why. I, I had two reasons. Number one, I wanted her to use what she had to show me that she loved me. That's number one. But number two, I wanted to work selfishness out of her heart because I'm a father that wants my daughter to become everything that she could become. Do y'all understand this? When God asks us to give, this is what he's doing. He wants us to show, uh, use what we have to show him we love him. And he wants to work selfishness out of our heart. You understand this? You can give without loving. You cannot love without giving. That is impossible. So what giving does is it works selfishness and greed out of our hearts. In fact, let me just kind of riff on this for a second. Something I really, really don't like about a lot of, a lot of teaching about money in churches. There's some churches, that a lot of people call it the prosperity gospel. I, that what they do in their teaching about money is they teach give and you'll get. 
Well, if you give one, you'll get 10. You give 10, you'll get 100. You give 100, you get 1,000. They teach give and you'll get. Can I just tell you something? That's terrible teaching. Because what that does is it actually works greed into your heart. And imagine how God feels. Do you think God is up in heaven going, oh, these people are being taught give and you'll get? I'm just so happy my people are being awakened to the revelation of getting. No, what God wants is he wants us to work these things out of our hearts. God didn't invent giving to get money out of our pockets, but to get selfishness out of our hearts. Now, can I just say this? I, I need to say one thing. And for all the men at all of our campuses, if you agree with what I'm saying, I'm gonna need you to make some noise, okay? Ladies, there is one area of selfishness that we as men, we will never grow out of. We do not want to share our food with you. Can I just say we agree with that? We don't wanna do it, okay? And, and listen, and for some reason, you don't want your food, you want our food. I don't know, Jana, when we go on dates sometimes, she's pretty little Jana's right down here. I'll order on date night. And when I order, Jana will say, oh good, I've been wanting some of that. You know, I'm like, what I want to say is, I'm like, well, well, then, well, then you order some because you can have anything you want from the menu, but you are not going to be getting mine. What, what does every single woman you've ever met say at the drive-thru? You say, babe, uh, do you want anything? And they all say the same thing. Oh no, I'll just have a bite of yours. Okay, uh, nope, you won't. I'll buy you five orders of fries. You're not getting any of my fries. That's it, man. And the fries that fell in the bottom of the bag, those are mine too. That's it, you just need to know that, okay? Amen, in Jesus' name. So number one, deal with a selfish heart. Number two, deal with a grieving heart. Verse 10, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because uh, for this thing, the Lord your God, watch this, will bless you. You need to understand this from the Bible. Will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. So here's how this works. Selfishness attacks us before we give, but, uh, but uh, grief attacks us after we give. Um, how many times have you ever had this happen where you decide to give in faith, whether you make a commitment or you give something significant or you begin to tithe or something like that. And then as soon as you do that, something breaks in your house and you think, well, dang it. Like, I can't believe it. What that is, is it's grief. Now, can I say this? Let me just say it real quick. There are two reasons that it's foolish to grieve when you give. Number one, I, I'm not, I'll talk about this later in the series, but you just saw right here. The Bible over and over simply says that when you give, I'm gonna read it directly from the verse, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Like that's just a promise from the Bible. So I'll talk about this later in the series, but all my life as a pastor, I've seen, you'll see this over and over and over. In fact, people, people will testify to it. In the well, you'll see, I hear these two testimonies. There are people who don't tithe. And here's what they always say, man, I just don't understand it. But for some reason, it's just never enough. And then there are people who do tithe. And here's what they say, man, we don't understand it. Somehow it's always enough. Why? Because right here, it says it. When you do that, the Lord your God will bless you in all the works to which you put your hand. Now, that's it. So number one, it's foolish because giving results in blessing. But number two, can I show you another one now? Let me just say this. <clears throat> I just, you know, I'm here and I'm talking about food. I'm talking about money. And I just, you know, I just had this thought pop into my head that, man, as soon as I finish preaching, I'll probably be hungry for sushi. And I don't, I don't have any cash on me that, uh, that I could use to get any you know, to, to get any sushi. And so, uh, man, I just, I just wish I, yeah, yeah, I just wish I had, oh, yeah, thank you. What, what you got here? My goodness, look what I got right here. 
Well, I need a $100 bill. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much. Now, can I say this? Now, thank you, okay? That is amazing, $100 bill. Um, now, let me ask this question, Stephen. Um, are you grieving that you gave this $100 to me? No, it's not. He said, it's my pleasure. This is probably a Chick-fil-A employee right here. Now, this is, he said, this is what he said. He said, no, no, no. He said, it's my pleasure. Now, can I just say something? Do you know why Stephen is not grieving he gave me this $100? Because I gave it to him right before the service. That's why. Okay, that, That's how come right there. Now, can I just point this out to you? He's not grieving because what he gave me was mine in the first place. Does that make sense? Yep. He's not grieving because what he gave me is mine. Listen, listen. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Y'all, everything that we have, it was already his. And there's no reason to grieve when all we're doing is returning back to him what was already his. So number one, number two, you got to deal. I'm going to keep this, by the way, Stephen. I'm going to be hungry later. You got to deal with a grieving heart. Number three, develop a generous heart. This is verse 14. You shall supply him liberally, in other words, generously from your flock, from your threshing floor and from your wine press for what the Lord your God has blessed you with. (laughs) He said, this came from me. You shall give to him. Now, let me say something that's a little bit uncomfortable. Put my preaching helmet on for a second. Let me just, I just need to point this out. What the Lord your God has blessed you with, that's what you, that's how you are generous with what you get. Now, can I just say this, especially maybe to more my generation down. We had a candidate who shall remain nameless that was running for the presidency a few years ago that was like a self-described socialist. Okay, and, and this candidate was viewed as the generous to the poor candidate. And this candidate all the time was talking about the 1%, the 1%, the 1%, the 1%. And then when their tax returns came out, guess how much they gave away? Less than 1%. Now, can I just point this out? In our culture, we tend to think that generosity is what you do with somebody else's money. Now, there may be a legitimate conversation to be had about the role of the government, but that's not generosity. Generosity is not what you do with somebody else's money. Generosity is what you do with your money. See, this is what God's saying. He's saying, with what I have blessed you with, that's what I want you to be generous with. Now, you need to understand this. It says that the Lord your God has blessed you with. Listen, we were all, we were born selfish, but you can be born again generous. In fact, if you go back to Luke 6 and Matthew 7, when Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, the whole thing, if you just read the whole context, he's just talking about give, 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 give. Man, if somebody asks you for a coat, give him your coat. He's like, man, even expecting, even hoping that it's not returned to you. He's saying, man, as you mature in the faith, you become somebody that you want, you are happy to give generously. Now we see this, right? Y'all see that we are born selfish. We have to mature to become generous. Let me ask you this question. For, the parents are going to get this. Parents, did, which, did you, which one did you have to teach your kids? Did you have to teach your kids to share or to be selfish? Which one? Selfish. That's exactly right. If you got two kids, we got this deal with our, our son Hudson right now. If two kids are playing together and this other boy comes over to the house, they're both playing, and that kid grabs one of Hudson's toys, the first thing he's going to do is go, that's my toy, that's my toy, that's my toy. Then you give him that toy and you give the, the boy another toy. And this, what he's going to do is he's gonna go, that's my toy too, that's my toy too. That's, 
It's like, buddy, I'm, I'm gonna try to teach you to share. You see this with all your kids, true story. When, uh, again, Felicity, I'm doing a lot of Felicity today. When Felicity, our youngest daughter, was about five years old, we walked into the kitchen one day and we had warned them that there were cookies in there and they had to ask to have a cookie. And we heard some rustling and we came in, you know, and you know, as soon as we come in, we, we just say, uh, who's in there? And, you know, Felicity's little, you know, she, <laughs> around a little pantry door. And Felicity had been getting into the cookies without permission. So Jana sat Felicity down and she said, you know, hey, Felicity, you know, uh, whenever you take something that you don't have permission to get, man, that's called stealing. And Felicity, when we know God, we want to obey his commands. And one of God's commands is that we should not steal. And Felicity looked right back at Jana and she said, I don't know God yet. That's what she said. Now you see that? See, we are all, this is just naturally, is that we are born selfish. We have to grow up and be taught generosity. You see, here's what God's saying here. Can I just put it like this? I think what God's saying here to all of his children is he's saying, hey, when are you gonna grow up? When are you gonna grow up? When are you gonna become like your father who so loved that he gave? When are you gonna do that? Okay. Now, last one is number four. You've got to develop a grateful heart. This is my favorite part. You gotta develop a grateful heart. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. In other words, he paid a price to set you free from slavery. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Now you may go, what's the authority by which God's, God's commanding us to be generous? Well, here's what he's saying. He's going, just exactly as I've done to you, do to other people. I gave my first and my best for you. Now I'm asking you to give your first and your best for me. He's saying, everything you have came from me. Remember, you used to be a slave. Not only did you not have anything, you belonged to someone else and I redeemed you out of that slavery, made you mine. He's going, man, as has been done to you, now you go and do to other people. See, this is how you develop a grateful heart. Now, um, let me end the sermon like this to show you there's a very specific way that a Christian develops a grateful heart. Now, I know there's a lot of new people, so I'm gonna show a picture of my family I've shown before. I just, the, the illustration doesn't make sense unless you know my family. So this is a, a picture. If you're new to Lake Point, this is a picture of my family. These are our, our family pictures from earlier. Uh, uh, this was last year. Now, let me show you real quick, um, if you're new, there's a specific reason I have an utter hatred for family picture day. And it's, it's shown right here because this is not the whole family picture. Uh, actually, this, this next one, this is the whole family picture. Picture. That, that there's a reason I hate I hate so that's my son Hudson just being he's just doing Hudson is what he's doing right there okay now see you may look at the, the picture and you may go huh oh man that's it that's an interesting looking family is what you may, you may be thinking and that's because um, all three of our children we've had the joy and the blessing of adopting in our family greatest greatest blessing like unimaginable we wouldn't have it any other way greatest imaginable blessing in our life now um, I've never, I've, I've always gone back and forth whether or not to share this. Uh, so I will, I'll, I'm just gonna share it because it, I, I need you to understand how this works in the Christian heart. So number one, you just gotta know this, that uh, whenever you adopt a child, uh, it, it ain't cheap. <laughs> uh, we started adopting um, our first when uh, I was the pastor of a church uh, that had a, you know, 120 people meeting in a school. And, uh, you know, my, my income was not, Real, real high. I was making about $50,000 with no benefits at the time. 
and, uh, and the adoption cost was $42,000. And, you know, we started going like, man, well, how's that math going to math? You know? <laughs> and so, but, but man, you know, we did it and the Lord provided and then we did it again and the Lord provided and then we did it again and the Lord provided. And now, um, this is a part I've never shared before. Uh, now we have a, a thing as a family that we do where Jan and I, we set aside in a, so we always, obviously we tithe. The first 10th, you know, goes to the work of God in the local church. But then in addition to that, we set aside a portion of our income uh, to help other families adopt. And so anytime that there's anybody at Lake Point, uh, they, in fact, some of y'all don't know you got anonymous gifts and you're maybe finding out right now that that was my family personally. But we, we have a system set up to where when anybody in Lake Point is adopting a child, we get notified and we, we previously anonymously sent them a gift. And, and then in uh, the other church that I used to pastor, we, we've done the same thing. And then sometimes people will just send us, hey, this person's adopting. And we've got a family goal that we'd like to help at least 100 families adopt 100 children with our personal income. Now, when we do, yeah, that's awesome. That's not, hang on, clap for Jesus later. And that's great. Uh, now that's awesome. But um, when uh, we used to get, here's a question we used to get. Okay, when you adopted the first time, how did it feel to try to give away $40,000 when your income was $50,000? Here's the answer to that question. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Here's why I felt amazing, okay? There's this moment where uh, we stood, don't put the picture up. I'll, there's this moment where uh, you finalize an adoption and uh, you hold little baby Eliana. That's my firstborn daughter. I love her with my whole soul. And uh, you, know, you, you hold your, your daughter in the courtroom and the judge starts asking you all these questions. You know, hey, Josh and Jan Howerton, uh, do you take legal responsibility for this child, you know, legally, physically, spiritually, and in every way? Yes. You know, do you adopt this child into your family so that their legal given name will be changed to your legal given name? Yes. Hey, Josh, do you, uh, do you petition or do, do you commit to become the father of this child from now on, Jan? Do you commit to become the mother? Hey, do you understand they're going to get a new family? And they even say this, hey, uh, do you understand that uh, henceforth they'll have the right to an inheritance from you? And we're standing there and, uh, you know, at a human level, we're going, yeah, we do understand. But what we also know is just like that verse said, we, we remember that at one time we were orphans and that our heavenly father paid a great price at the cross to redeem us, adopt us and become our father. And he's given us a new inheritance. See that? And, and can I just say something to you? When you understand what has been done for you, you just become so grateful that you're like, I just want to give everything I got for you. God, you've been so good to me. So it all begins in the heart. That's where the journey starts. And I want to pray that God will begin to do that work in you that results in blessing that changes your life, marriage, everything, your whole life. So would you pray with me, please? It's Heavenly Father. I do, I ask that right now, that you would begin doing a special work in people's hearts, maybe for the first time. And God, the same blessing that now for 27 years, I've seen you be faithful in my life. I pray that these people would see the same faithfulness of God 
when they act in faith towards you in their lives. And so God, would you begin a fresh work in people's hearts? God, just overwhelm us with our great, your great love for us as you've made us your children in such a way that we just become so grateful, it just overflows. And Lord, I just pray blessing on them. Lord, I pray that they'd see it, like visually they'd see it with the same measure that you measure will be measured back to you, pressed down, spilling over, shaken together, that they'd see the goodness of God. I pray that in the crucified, risen name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.